This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. Welcome to another episode of Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and on the show today, I'm speaking with a truly inspirational guy, one of the youngest two-sport pro athletes in history, with bodybuilding and wrestling, Mr. Spectacular, Jesse Goddard. Jesse is with us today to share his story and discuss mental health awareness as an athlete. Jesse, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you. Boom. Still got it. Boom, there they, there they are. You always got it. It's still got it. And it's great. You don't have that dad bod, so which is great. Yeah, you know, you, it's like father figure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally understand. Before we get into your wrestling career and big brother and mental health awareness, tell me what it was like your childhood. Uh, my childhood was, I grew up on a farm. I actually, I'm the middle child first and foremost. So <laughs> big surprise. I needed attention. <laughs> And now I'm a professional wrestler and I get all the attention. Big surprise. But no, it didn't matter if it was good or bad. Unfortunately, I did get into some trouble and that led to obviously getting extra attention in school. Not all good attention. And then because of that, obviously, there's disciplinary actions at home. We then moved to the country. (laughs) Our whole family grew up on a farm and stuff. And then it was just literally like the same tedious, monotonous day in and day out of chores, picking up sticks and things like that. And like, it almost seemed like a consequence as opposed to a chore. Mm -hmm. And that's actually how I was raised. But because of that, like it kind of honed me for the rest of my life because of that same day in and day out tedious chore that I already like pretty much grew up on of the same mundane monotonous tasks. It's the same as eating. It's the same as going to the gym and working out. Yes, there's different endorphins that you can release and whatnot and have a positive out of it. Mm -hmm. But that was easy for me to then parlay and just have something that was a positive, you know, physically, and then obviously be able to wear that profession thus then throughout the last 14, 15 years of my life, but wow. it was, uh, it was very strict, mm-hmm. my upbringing, to put it lightly. Oh, that's great. Now, did you grow up in Iowa? Yes. Yes, sir. I grew up in Iowa. So in, in Mason City, Iowa, and then Rudd, Iowa. Were you a big Hawkeye fan? Uh, I, <laughs> I went to a Juco <laughs> school. I went to the school that everybody would call the 13th grade that was around me, which is in Mason City, um, Nyack, and they didn't have their uh, wrestling program at that time yet but i could i mean i'm sure there's going to be friends that like hate me for it but i could care less like the iowa city or going to cedar rapids or ames sorry ames i had friends at both and and whatnot but i i didn't didn't care too much about it either way my brother went to a private school luther so Mm -hmm. that is great because i know wrestling is huge in iowa i was a bit i was a wrestler in high school and i looked up to like guys like ed branch and joe williams and barry davis those are the guys we always looked up to and the work ethic and just and when we heard someone come from Iowa, like, man, their work ethic is hard. Funny that you say that. So, and also Kale Sanderson and Dan Gable, do you, yeah. not to spin off topic, but have no. you heard the story of Dan Gable? No, tell me, please. So obviously Dan Gable is a legend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huge. So he spoke with Joe Rogan and actually opened up for an hour and a half with him. I did not know this. And it's giving me the chills just talking about it now. 
He doesn't want to contribute, obviously, his work ethic and discipline to what happened when he was a child, but his sister actually was, unfortunately, uh, murdered when he was a kid. What? Yeah. Wow. He, he instantaneously knew who did it from a conversation with the young boy coming back from school one day, and it's very traumatic. So when I heard that, it completely changed my outlook on Dan Gable because mm -hmm. I thought, okay, now he has this in his pocket you know, for the rest of his life that he carried himself. You see what I'm saying? So then yeah. his heart, like his work ethic and everything that he did. And as you know, if you've wrestled, it's a different mindset. Like you're, it's completely different. Like what oh, you do completely. to your body, what you, the, the, the mental toughness that you have to endure. And then like the physical is almost like secondary because like you can run and almost kind of tune out. But you have to endure that mentally or like sit on a treadmill or lose the weight or, you know, wrestle these other guys or know that it's just you out on the mat against this other individual. There's nobody else to blame other than yourself. Sure. But he took that and like ran with it. And I think his story, once I heard that, and I mean, I've heard the legend of, you know, Dan Gable since I was a kid, but I didn't actually mm -hmm. start wrestling in high school until my uh, sophomore, junior and senior year. Uh, and then my junior and senior year as a team captain. But, um. It was completely eye-opening. Again, he doesn't contribute what happened to his family to that incident, yeah. that god-awful incident. It's horrific, but sorry to like go off on that tangent. No, not at all. That's a, it's traumatic for him. Yeah. I I, that's a story I never heard of. That is, that's, a, that's incredible. And you know, you were talking about the discipline of wrestlers and everything. I, I wrestled at 112, and I was like 135 to cut. And you just go, I mean, it was, it's such a mental thing when your friends are all eating and they're, they're getting weight. You got to drop that 30 pounds. It's like, man, it's insane. And I, so my senior year, I wrestled at 145 pounds in my junior year. I believe I wrestled at 140 because guys that were my weight were cutting down to your point to like 125 or 119 as well. And then mm -hmm. after Thanksgiving yeah. and the holidays, they got to 125 again or something like yeah. that, I believe. But then they came out with these hydration rules, like right after we got out of high school. And I wish sincerely, because you got to think that can stunt a lot of individuals gross at that yes. crucial time in their life that they're trying to, you know, they're being told one thing, this is the only sport that you're ever asked to do something like this, you know, unless maybe gymnastics or something where you have to be at a certain weight, potentially, I don't know. I don't know the sport too much uh, or cheerleading and things like that. But wrestling is very physically demanding that you have to weigh a certain weight and have a hydration now, but it wasn't the same before. I wish mm -hmm. they would have, because then I would have been, because I was leaner at 145 than our 103 pounder who was obviously skin and bones and no yeah. disrespect to him, but most people that are 103 pounds are, are skin and bones, you know? Yeah. So. You bring up a very valid point. Cause I always think of what I could have been in terms of height, you know, cutting the weight all through high school. I was cutting up to 25 to 30 pounds and it was just <sighs> as a kid. As a kid, and, but, that's what but I'm saying. When it's, in your life do you have you ever came close to ever doing that again, or heard never. of anybody doing that? Never, 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 never. You never hear of it. Never, never wow. would you ever have to do that in your life. You know what I mean? And it's not healthy because you it's guys are also healthy. probably doing it in what two weeks, three weeks, four weeks tops. Yeah, you know. Yeah, wearing the wetsuit, just sitting there. Yeah. <sighs> oh, it was crazy. It was. It was. I look back at those days, and I'm just like, it's insane on what I what I was asked to do. But uh, it, it was crazy. So what made you decide to move to California? So <laughs> I, was, I grew up in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simple enough. No, uh, I mean, I grew up in farmland. And uh, I, so a handful of things. But 
when I started working out, I found out that there was something to it. You know, it impressed yeah. the girls. It made me feel better about myself. It gave me a boat of confidence that obviously I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. It's the same story for everybody. I feel as though maybe not everybody, but the same for a lot of individuals. But with that, like my senior year and all of our yearbooks or friends that were actually close, I'm just like babes and waves. I'm moving to California and everybody kind of just gaffed at it. And statistically speaking, only about 10% of Americans move outside of 100 miles or wherever they graduated high school from. Oh, wow. And I'm one of probably about five or six, I would say. And I grew up in a town with three cities combined that made our high school. Mm -hmm. So I graduated with 54 people in my senior class. So I was, again, about one in six or one in five. I actually moved out of there. Maybe there's more. I don't know. But I just knew there was a bigger world. California was just, I mean, especially you know, in 2004, 2005, it was a completely different world than it was today, you know, and I didn't yeah. really follow the news too much. So that was never a concern of mine. What I did get to endure was the $5 and 50 cent gas prices during that exact <laughs> stint in time driving through Las Vegas, which I never endured in my life or, or was ever uh, exposed to until that exact moment. But yeah, that's that's it. I mean, there's also a video game in arcades called Need for Speed, I believe, or something like mm-hmm. that. And there was always um, Surf City USA. And Surf City so, USA yes, yes. is actually Huntington Beach, California. And that's exactly where I moved to. And that's just in my mind. That's just where <laughs> I wanted to go. You know, it's like people from other countries. They're like, when you get here, where you want to go? And everybody's like, New York, New York, or LA, or Las Vegas. You know, all these like yes. destination locations. And that was the one place and that's where I moved to. I lived there for a handful of years, moved around for wrestling, moved back out there, bought a house out there, and that's it. That's just, that was a long story short, short story long. Did you train at Gold Gym in Venice? Yes, a handful of times. I know Michael Heron, I've been able to train with him a handful of times. Great individual. Oh, he's incredible. He's Absolutely. incredible. Absolutely. So I was reading in your bio on your website that you mentioned that if you were to write a book, it would be called Detour. Why that name? Uh... You got to go where the opportunity is. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are so planted like a tree because that's how they grew up. And Mm -hmm. today is completely different. Kids these days have cell phones from coming out of the womb, you know, and internet access. Like we still had T9 through high school. You know, we still, I still had phones attached to walls, you know, and like hardwire phones in my house. Yeah. That's such a thing of the past for me. Because I physically had to move, but the opportunities that are presented for any American with a cell phone or a laptop is like, you almost don't have to anymore. You can almost kind of go back to staying planted. It's crazy as that sounds, especially with, you know, the climate today and the workforce all being kind of working from remotely. You don't really have to chase that opportunity. Whereas for me and the professions that I wanted to chase, I had to relocate to where they were. They weren't going to come to me, obviously. Got it. Got it. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So you were the youngest, one of the youngest people in history to become a two-sport professional athlete. Can you tell me about what initially inspired your passion for competing? Everybody assumed coming from my wrestling background, when I got out of my parents' house in a family setting that are obviously all carb-based meals for my family, and my mom, bless her heart, obviously, <laughs> making potatoes <laughs> and pastas and whatever's the quickest that can feed them. The, I mean, we have five people inside our house, you know. Yeah. And again, this is middle America. So, you know, it's middle to low income. And that's how we ate. So when I moved yeah. out of the house and I was buying things for myself, 
I started to eat healthier and more higher quality proteins, things like that, steaks and chicken and, and tuna and whatever's cost effective because I was also in college too. The reason why I say that is I gained the freshman 15 mm-hmm. of good weight, whereas everybody else gained the freshman 15 or freshman 20 of beer and pizza. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol have never been a part of my life to date. Like I still have, I mean, I just had a birthday and I didn't, I haven't had, I can't even tell you. Oh, happy birthday. Honestly, the, thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. I can't even tell you when the last time I drank was. The reason why I wow. say that is because I got into the natural professional wrestling the same way somebody goes and finds where they can take their car to get their oil changed. You want to try and find mm-hmm. the best place to take your car. Everybody was accusing me of being on performance enhancing drugs and this, that, and the other thing. And to be completely honest with you, Jay, like, I wouldn't even know where to buy it, nor have the money to even do any of that (laughs) as a 19-year-old kid that just, I'm working at Walmart. You know, I just graduated high school and I work at Walmart, but because of my work ethic of doing these chores, these most tedious, mundane, day in and day out, picking up sticks, walnuts, and mowing the lawn because we grew up on a huge, like, three-acreage, you know, one acre of land where I had to mow the entire lawn and we had, you know, a couple ponies and stuff and this, that, and the other thing. Going to the gym was like a release for that. And then I just go back to that. So it was just, I was just changing the hobbies or the tasks of daily tasks into my life Mm -hmm. and then wreaking the benefits of it physically. Whereas everybody else that was my age was obviously looking worse. I literally did a Google search, most tested, rigorous tested, natural bodybuilding shows, enter. NAMBF popped up. And I started going wow. to those shows and I won every single show and I was beating everybody that I was up against. It didn't matter if they're 18, 19, 17, 35, 40, 45. And then I continued to win until 20 days after I turned 20, I turned pro. I'm not being braggadocious. I had long cur- no, it's not. curly hair from, like, I was still in college. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, I was standing up there like you wouldn't even recognize me. Like, girl, I was just like, like what, who, where, my son now has hair like I did at the time, but anyways wow your work ethic is amazing it's amazing Ah, getting back to the two sport athletes we all know mark henry and kurt angle but why aren't there more two sport athletes who make a big impact in pro wrestling that's a great question uh what is it the master master of one what is that what is that saying master of none but uh that saying (laughs) i don't even know yeah i know know you're you're talking about yeah yeah the, the and then yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. And there, I think it goes on for like one extra sentence. But anyways, thank you. And it's just, you know, you get so fixated. Somebody, I, I don't know what guru, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker, inspirational speaker said it. But like, there was a point where whatever you're known for, that justifies your existence. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad and it's so true because then like, you know, if an individual is attractive, they're always known to be attractive. So once they lose that, what are they known true. for? Yeah. So going, and I'm not trying to get super in depth on it, but for me, like when I realized that it's just like, okay, well, if I do this, does that mean I can't do this, 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 and this? And I just wanted to keep as many doors open and then put that same effort of me picking up sticks and, and mowing the lawn that was the same in, day in and day out every single summer into everything that I did. And like you said, Mm -hmm. work ethic, you can't teach that. Either you're going to show up on time for work or you're not. You know, the laziest people in the world hate to be held accountable. And then you're the bad guy for trying to do it. 
So yeah, some people you don't have to teach that to. And there's guys such as, well, Kurt Angle is just a whole nother beast. And I'm sure Mark Henry is too, but I've like personally dealt with Kurt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, if, if somebody like Kurt Angle, which mind you is literally, you know, what, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds lighter than Brock Lesnar and can give yeah. him a run for his money. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't, like, it's like one of those guys where you're just like, don't, doesn't matter how tough you think you are. It doesn't matter what age Kurt Angle, like, that's just a bad dude. And there's He's other guys out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure you'd say the same about Dan Gable, you know, like that guys like that too. It's just like, no matter what those guys, their, their work ethic and discipline and just how they know the, the human body, but just how you're groomed, what you've endured through life. Like sure. you, everybody has a story. You don't know what demons they're fighting. You don't know what blessings they have. And that's what it truly comes down to, you know, just the decision. A lot of people, you know, they might have a natural knack for it. I mean, I think somebody just said the other day, you know, Christi Christian Ronaldo, I don't even know his name because I don't follow yeah. soccer or football, works at it every single day, shows up two hours before everybody gets there and is the last person to leave. Whereas that messy guy, like literally is just gifted and is just like, God's just like, here's all your talent, go play with the kids. And he's just schooling grown men, you know? Just two different individuals, you know, work ethic. Yeah, what you just said really reminds me of a quote. It says, 5% of people in this world make things happen, 15% watch, and 80% know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're the ones in the seats. They're the They're, ones in the seats. No, it is true. Those are the ones in the nosebleed seats. Those yeah. are the ones. So your work ethic, you should be very proud of that. We hope you're enjoying Stories of Strength, brought to you by MuscleTech. Whether you're an elite athlete, weekend warrior, or just trying to stay healthy, MuscleTech believes in growing stronger together. Discover products formulated to help you achieve your strength and fitness goals at Walmart, GNC, and everywhere you find premium supplements. How did you come up with the name Mr. Pectacular? Well, I knew I had to find a word and a friend's like, we kicked around a handful of ideas. We had to have like one word that can encapsulate me, myself and I, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and like, it, there was a bunch, like you don't even want to hear all, all, the, all of them. So no, I want to hear them. Glad. I want to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> just, just be glad we came up with this one. Think of it that way. Cause it's just plastered everywhere. But yeah, like it just came up with spectacular. And obviously we're trying to do like a derivative of a word, you know, and like all these different ideas. But yeah, somehow we just kicked around the idea and we just dropped the S off of spectacular and just used spectacular. We put a dash in there and I got it trademarked and then it's now registered so I can take anybody to court that's out there on the internet, on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook and Twitter, which people do, which blows my mind, um, call themselves Mr. Spectacular, but there's only one. There's only, There's only one. There was only yeah. one. Now, I, I went on the internet and I watched a lot of your wrestling. And it's interesting. You keep the same physique. Is there any downtime? Like, I mean, how do you how do you maintain that 12 months out of the year? Because usually there's downtime with athletes. You're not, it doesn't feel like you're getting any downtime. Not only is there no downtime, there's no inconsistency in my physique. Or there's not. my appearance. Zero. From... When I stepped on stage in 2006, 2007, 2008, till present day, you know, like that, we're talking, we, we've gotten some years in there now. Like, yeah. you know, a couple of years you'd be like, oh, you know, he was just in the, you know, in the fitness world for a little bit. But like, I'm not like at Mike O'Hearn status yet, but we're working on it. 
<laughs> but it's it's literally it's just the testament to being natural, and that's it's plain and simple. There's yeah. guys that I know that are in natural bodybuilding, and to be completely honest with you, Jay, I could literally stop working out right now, genuinely, yeah. and keep eating somewhat relatively good, and my physique, my strength will go down substantially, 100%, no doubt about it, absolutely. But my physique won't change that much. Granted, I mean, a week, two weeks, that, that's about the limit. You know, two weeks is a stretch. I mean, that's 14 days, you know, and now you're yeah. like one more week and I've now just acquired a new habit in life. But... um. Yeah, it's, I think it's just a testament to the fact of being natural, having a great foundation and continuing to hammer at it and chip away. As you know, like one good meal doesn't create a diet and one bad meal, one cheat meal doesn't ruin it. No, it doesn't. No, I mean, it's just years of compilation, you know, and just a multitude of things, obviously, that come into play. Stress, that that's through the roof in these last recent years of my life. So I'm actually very surprised that I still look halfway decent myself. <laughs> so, so, <not> <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's always interesting to me i had a guest on one of my friends tori wilson former wrestler oh, and yeah. she was telling me yeah. it's what beats you guys up and you guys you know you're jumping off the turnbuckles doing flips is the traveling then you got to get on a bus and go to the next city how do you do that so a lot of these wrestlers this there's outliers for everything there's no disrespect when i say this yeah. it's easier for a a bodybuilder to obviously keep their physique and come into professional wrestling than it is a professional wrestler to get a physique like a professional bodybuilder such as mm. myself 100 percent. it's the same way like as a bodybuilder i couldn't go into a bank and be like well i'm gonna be an accountant today and everybody be like no you're not you know so <laughs> when i walked into being a professional wrestler they're all like no you're not so that took some time mm. but the justification of the discipline in your mind to still be able to go to a gas station and yeah. pick up hard boiled eggs and peanuts or, you know, a protein shake and some cheese. I mean, the fastest thing that you could possibly get that's the cleanest and there's nothing, there's literally, you can't go wrong is hard boiled eggs that are already made for $2, $1.29. So true. But people don't want to eat it. No, they don't. That's the problem. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah, it's I not, do. You can, you can eat healthy no matter where you go. It's just, do you have the mental toughness to be able to just discipline yourself when somebody else goes to Arby's or some fast food place that's literally attached to the gas station that you pulled into? Yes, that's so know, true. <laughs> to get what you should be eating as opposed to what you want. There's Chiabani, you know, or Chiabani um, yogurts that are Greek yogurts that you can eat. There's meats and cheeses and nuts and protein bars. It's just, it's not fun, you know? Yeah. But just decisions. But, and... What you were saying before, the jumping and the going off the ropes, that's a whole nother aspect of it. And you're absolutely like- crazy. If you do a 450 off a diving board into water, that's one thing. If you do a 450 onto a ring, have you ever been inside a wrestling ring? Yes, I have. How hard is it? It is hard. (laughs) It's made out of two by 16s or two by 20s. Two by 16, Mm -hmm. two by 18, or two by 20s. It's wood. Everybody yeah. thinks it's a trampoline. It's Every, not a trampoline. So many people think that it's not. No, it's not a trampoline. And those ropes are not bungee cords. They're no, rope. they're not. Or a cable. Yeah. Lined with uh, a hose or tape. But again. Yeah. And a real human body is picking you up and throwing you onto the ground. And with and they're like, oh, it's padded. It's a trampoline. It's, no, no, no. By all no, means, it's come not. with me. 
and I'll give you a body slam and you'll get to see it's a car crash every time. I think it at like 13 to 23 miles an hour every single time from the rate of speed wow. and like the velocity to a dead stop every time with your back impacting the ground every single time, every single time. So if they do that five times every single night, five days a week, and then get to go work out on top of it and train legs and train arms, train chest, train back, train, you know, neck, shoulders, all these other things. People don't understand how crazy it is to be a wrestler. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, dirty you know, jobs. That's one of those things. Dirty jobs. Dirty jobs. You brought up mental strength in uh, what you were just saying. How did mental strength play a role in becoming a bodybuilder? So mental strength was a vital role in becoming a bodybuilder just due to the fact that once I started to change my perspective or my outlook on the sport, obviously it's very biased. It's it's not timed. There's no score other than what people grade you as. Mm. And unfortunately in bodybuilding, it's objective. Everybody has their own opinion. Yeah. You know, what, what one judge in Illinois could say might not be the same as Indiana and they, or Iowa and they border, you know, one another and you're sitting there scratching your head. So at a very young age, a couple things happened. One, obviously I started because everybody was accusing me of being on copious amounts of performance enhancing drugs that I had nothing even to do with. And I literally wanted to prove everybody wrong. That's who yeah. I was like my work ethic. I'm from Iowa. I did this the right way. I'll show you. And literally like there's a line. It's like, I don't know if we can swear on here, but it's like, I'll show you MFers, you know, like one of these things. I was a kid. I was 19, yeah. 18, 19 years old. Like that's what I thought because everybody else was like, you, there's no way you can do this. And I'm like, I can like, of course I can. And I will. And I did, you know, like I'm living, breathing proof of it, being able to do it. But then after I started winning, then a whole, like now, like the competitors were saying stuff and the, the judges were saying stuff and these people were saying stuff. And it's just like, as opposed to embracing me and like, you know, bringing me up as a star that could be up and coming, they literally kind of like calloused me in that exact moment too, for me to realize like, this is the real world. Yeah. No matter how good you are or great you are or whatever, like everybody's always going to want to bring you down. And I learned that at that exact same moment because I remember it and I'll never forget it. One of the judges, I thought, I don't know if it was the actual owner or promoter of that exact show said, oh, you know, it's just not your time yet. I was 19 and I could have turned pro at 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And she literally said, oh, it's just not your time yet. So I took that as in my mind, somebody else had the control to dictate my career. And imagine if I ate, breathed and slept bodybuilding. And then at, at that exact moment, that woman literally crushed my dreams because wow. not because I should have lost because I, the, in the crowd and the pictures and everything else shows that I should have won at this exact moment. And this woman said that line and it just stayed with me because I'm just like, why am I going to continue to let other individuals then dictate like your happiness or my happiness, if that makes sense. Cause then I started, no, I'm like, it does. Oh, there's like money to be made. I could actually become a career out of this. You know, natural bodybuilding is tough yeah. because it's not lavish. Like you, it's not like those guys are getting, you know, the hundreds of thousands or million dollar sponsorship deals and all the attention because there's guys that are right next to them that are 50, 60, 70, a hundred pounds heavier at the same height and the same, you know what I mean? The yeah. same age. So it's not lavish. So you're definitely not doing it for the money, but like to then be held back by somebody else, it was just very eye opening for me. And that's why I knew I had to mean something to somebody somewhere with the things that I accomplished and sitting in Iowa, I was not going to find that somebody. 
I actually had a phenomenal job working for the railroad for Union Pacific Railroad at that exact time where I was making, again, not to be braggadocious, but no. at 19 years old, I was making 85 to $90,000 a year. And had I have stayed for another six months, I would have qualified to be an engineer making about 100 to $125,000 at 19, 20, 21 years wow. old. No college degree, union, paying into two different retirement tiers, having better medical insurance than government officials. It's crazy. You're union. I could never lose my job. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And I literally left all of that, saved up $5,000 and moved out to California, lived in my car, failed as soon as I got out there after the first month, was living in my car. Wow. So it's life, life, decisions that you make. God bless you, but your mindset, <laughs> yeah, I understand, but your, your mindset is, is just phenomenal. You know, just listening to your story and, and going through that, your mindset and the way you grew up and everything like that, you definitely were gonna accomplish it, and you did. And moving into that, you- No, I appreciate that. No, you also set an all-time world record for a reality TV star by appearing in five consecutive annual seasons for, of a primetime network reality competition series. What was that experience like for you? <sighs> well, other than being a mouthful, because that was a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, because I moved out to California, now there's opportunities. I think I was on uh, MTV a handful of times at, during that stint. I then got picked up by a modeling agency for fitness. I was on one of their websites. And then I actually um, got uh, contacted to then go and try to become a contestant on Big Brother. I knew what Big Brother was. I love Big Brother since the, since the jump. And then obviously it evolved into what it was at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I just made genuine relationships with the individuals and producers and whatnot. And I think the people that actually get to talk to me, again, I was 22 the first year I was on there and then 23. So... Obviously, I still had a chip on my shoulder. I looked pretty good and it's unrelatable. Unfortunately, in America, if you're yeah. in fitness, like especially if you're a bodybuilder, if you get labeled as a bodybuilder, you're instantaneously pigeonholed and being all the characteristics of that narcissistic, egotistical, full of himself, like, you know, uh, vain, blah, 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 like all these negative things. Yes. yes. When we both know. That more than likely you had a tough upbringing, you could, might have self-esteem issues, you might be fighting with some sort of depression, or this might be your only release and it actually keeps you sane. Like it's your hobby and you're actually really good at it. You're actually aspiring to help other people and that's genuinely what you want to do for other people. Maybe a, a, a family member might have had a heart disease and you genuinely want to take it upon yourself to help other people to fight something like that because... Heart disease is one of the leading causes of death in America. Death, yeah. But nobody wants is. to talk about it. But nobody does. Does it matter? You take the, you, for face value, you're a bodybuilder. That's what I was labeled as. Even if I would have been labeled as a natural bodybuilder, people would have been like, huh, well, what's that mean? And they would have taken a second take. But because of that descriptive word down there, I was almost instantaneously labeled as a villain and not, and not at any fault of anybody else. Cause I wore it, you know, <laughs> I didn't wear a shirt a lot, but like you don't put a car cover on a Ferrari and drive it around. Obviously, you, you know, like that's just, if you look good and feel good, you're obviously you know, the same reason why Arnold Schwarzenegger always had a shirt off in all of his movies. If you got it, flaunt it, you know? So true. Parlaying that though, the producers in the back, I obviously, garnered in a genuine relationship with and these individuals such as yourself we just met and like i'm sure we could have a great phenomenal conversation you know far past this interview and whatnot into in depth on a lot of things other than just fitness that's what that relationship was with all those people and as i'm sure you know when you go through life you don't surround yourself with people that you don't like anymore you weed them out pretty quick 
It's true. So for them to bring me back time after time after time after time, you got to wonder, well, is Jesse <laughs> really a bad guy? Or like, how does this continue to happen? You see what I'm saying? So like, obviously yeah. I had great genuine relationships with a lot of the producers and they're all phenomenal and I owe them the world and they help def they definitely, like without a doubt, obviously they all know it because I tell them all the time and tell them blue in the face. I'm sure they're, they're tired of it. I thank them as much as I possibly can. Oh, that's great. And I can, I can list them all off by name if you want me to, but, um, they helped me out tremendously and then they continued to help, you know, and they continued to help catapult my uh, career. And we just parlayed that success, you know, of my bodybuilding along with the reality TV fame. And I parlayed that into a career with professional wrestling. Now, speaking of wrestling, how did the fans accept you when you came in from a being a reality star? <sighs> to their credit, I assumed they probably thought that it was just going to be almost like a like a Jersey Shore appearance where they mm -hmm. kind of did like one little bleep or like, you know, a professional football player coming in and doing just like a one off. But I actually turned it into a career, you know, yeah. and this is what I actually genuinely wanted to do. I saw that I had a vehicle and I already had the means because of the things and the accolades that I've already accrued at that time to create a different trail for somebody such as myself in the world of professional wrestling and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. So some were obviously a little reserved. Others definitely expressed their opinion and so did the wrestlers, you know, to their credit. They just thought I was just going to come in for a cup of coffee and take back off. But I think I've gained a lot of respect across the board with not mm -hmm. only the fans, but also the professional wrestlers that are, I just, you know, I call colleagues like, you know, I've been in pre-tapes and, and promos with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and Kurt Angle and Bobby Lashley for crying out loud. And he just main evented uh, or he was just in WrestleMania, you know, like these guys are and I've wrestled Bobby Lashley, you know, and these guys are great. Yeah. These are like co-workers, you know, if you if you will. No, it is. Yeah. But longevity is key. You know, and it's just like any other professional sport where football, basketball, baseball, hockey, you know, professional wrestling is harder than all of those to get into because there's only so many spots on television because there's yeah. only so much time. So that means Triple H has to retire, quit, or not want to wrestle anymore. These guys all have to do something to not want to be on television anymore. And you need to come from the bottom and then take one of their spots. Wow. So whoever's the bottom guy you need to be able to take their spot. And then always remember in the back of your mind, if you're not at the top of your game at all time, there's some other kid that's 18, 19, 20, you know, 24, trying to work their way up in whatever facet or means or blaze their trail to take your spot if you're the bottom guy. And then you see what I'm, everything's a pecking order. Yeah. That's why Stone Cold Steve Austin got so big. That's why, you know, the Rock became so big and John Cena and, and Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant because like they were just red hot. Their superpower of stardom was like an A-list celebrity, rightfully yeah. so, because they then started bringing in A-list celebrities to compare them to on television, which then as a viewer, you now recognize that as such. So not, to, I mean, I'm going into psychology of wrestling obviously but no it's fine it's fine no it's so true because you see like uh floyd mayweather the logans came in and and you exactly know, that just, yeah that just escalates everybody to become an a-list celebrity just like you mentioned 100 percent. and now when you say celebrity we used to think movie and tv a tv yeah. star or a movie star it's not that way anymore 
It's no, it's TikTok not. star, YouTube star, you know, Instagram famous, Insta famous, what, or all of these things. Yeah. It's the world has completely changed. Like even to, in today's day and age, I don't have cable. I have YouTube TV, you know, or all these streamlining apps. So when, on all these, there might be outliers that you've never heard of that might be actors or actresses or videos or this, that, and the other thing that are now relevant in your world that you now recognize that wouldn't have been on basic cable. It's crazy. Yeah, no, exactly. I actually, you know, you're, you're a father as well. I learn a lot from like my son and my kids when they watch YouTube and everything and these stars and I'm like, who are these people? And then all of a sudden you see them in a celebrity fight and it's like, yeah. oh my goodness. I mean, just look at the Logans, what they've accomplished. And he's brilliant at it and brilliant and not to get, not to get into it, but he instantaneously, I'm not sure if it was that night or the very next night is soon. I don't know if it was Logan Paul or, or Jake Paul instantaneously said, you guys can fight on my undercard uh, for Will Smith and um, uh, Chris Rock on the undercard of my next boxing match. And I'll give you both $15 million each. It wow. did, but it didn't even happen. But guess what he got because of that comment? It Where'd he get? rippled across the internet and everybody was posting it. So You're he so just right. yeah. injected himself into something he was not even a part of, knowing that it wasn't going to go anywhere. But because he made just a completely outlandish baseline statement of like, oh yeah, I'll give you both $15 million each. Everybody caught wind of it and it just flooded the internet through Instagram and Twitter and all these different lines of communication and just pumped him up even more. Do you see what I'm saying? And then like now he legitimized himself with Will Smith and Chris Rock and then said, you guys are beneath me and you can fight in the undercard. Look at that. That's amazing. He did the same thing with Mike Tyson. He called out Mike Tyson too. And, and then he called a comment. And they're McGregor. friends. And they're, and they're friends. friends. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they're brilliant. It's, it's so yes. true. So how do you keep your, how do you, not only how do you keep your sanity, but how do you keep your mental health <laughs> through all the spotlight? I mean, it's, it's, tough for you. I've just come to realize throughout life and especially right now in present day that everybody's already going through something and you don't know what yeah. you're going through. It's almost like a near miss car accident. You know, nothing happened, but that sheer shot of adrenaline that surges through you at that exact moment, how do you control it? At that exact moment, that is what defines you. If mm -hmm. you just about get into a car accident, and what emotion gets elicited out of you is who you truly are. Are you a controlled reserve person? Do you have all your bearings? Do you, are you protective of your family that's inside the car? Are you swearing at the other person even though you were in yep. it? Or are you cool, calm, and reserved? Are you considerate of the other person? Did you already see that happening with the way the flow of the traffic? Because again, if you get in an accident, it's still your fault. Yes. Because you were driving. It doesn't matter. In some states, it's 50-50 no matter what. It doesn't matter if you get rear-ended or not. You're still at fault. Yeah. Which is crazy. If you're sitting somewhere stopped and you get rear-ended, you're still at fault. How does that make any sense? But regardless, what I'm saying, so in life, regardless how you react to these different stimuli that are going along, you know, regardless of it's the, you know, the fame or, or this interview, like even being on this interview, it's surreal, you know, being able to do this with you, like people care that we actually talk and have a conversation. It's just <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how egotistical is that? You know, that we're sitting here having the time, just assuming that somebody else is going to be able to sit here and listen to it, which I appreciate everybody sincerely to think what, that we're both, you know, obviously interesting enough to do so, but it's pretty, 
it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty a, intense. Yeah. Yeah. But I just try to minimalize things as much as possible, break it down into simplest form and see how it actually impacts me, you know, to the, for the lack of better words and just try to categorize it the same way somebody would say a negative comment online, mm -hmm. the same way somebody would say a positive thing. I can't let either spectrum change who I am. You know, because then if I start listening to all these people up here, then my head might get too big. And if I start listening to all these people down here, I might just quit. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So true. And I never look at the comments and yeah. I just decided one day I'm never going to look at the comments. Michael Jordan isn't staying up late at night on YouTube seeing what they said about his three-point shot, whether he made it or missed it for the game winner. So, so true. So true. Yeah. So... Yeah, you know, do you think that there's enough discussion within the athletics community about the importance of mental health? <sighs> do I think that there's enough importance on the conversations about mental health? I mean, probably not. Because, again, like, we don't know what's going on with anybody. You know, yeah. we don't know if somebody's family's sick or if they had a bad day or like a family member you know, isn't there anymore or they got into a fight with their spouse or significant other. And I guarantee you having those kind of conversations will help, but I don't know what era you grew up in, but like my dad didn't really talk about anything. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about nothing. You know, it's not like we exchanged, I love yous and stuff like that inside the household on a constant basis. So like as a man at that time, and this is just me, mm -hmm. I'm just only speaking for myself here. No, like, it's fine. We didn't really show feelings you know, so like for wow. that to happen, like you're a man. What I have learned in life is my girl needs me to be who I am for her. My kids need me to be their dad. My employees need me to be their boss. Other individuals need me to obviously entertain them. And none of these people care that I had a bad day, you know, yeah. because at that exact time, they need me to be who I am for them. Mm. So it, I guarantee you it would help a lot of, I wouldn't, just being able to talk to somebody, I bet. I mean, I have Bible study groups and I have different groups and stuff like that where we can let our guard down and not have to be so tough and open up and hear other stories. And then also you hear other stories of other individuals and you come to realize like, you know, man, like my problems aren't that serious. Like yeah. the things that I'm saying woe is me about just to put something in perspective. Well, the guy to my left just lost his mom, Yeah, you know, or like the guy to my right, like is getting a divorce or the end, you know, and I'm not airing out anybody's business, but these are real world things, you know, that we walk in there and everybody has a smile on their face. Everybody greets each other. And we do the same throughout the day. But being able to talk to somebody, I guarantee you, would help substantially. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's going to be a cost to it. People have to be comfortable with it. There's a lot of other things, and I'm not trying to make an excuse. But I guarantee you, people would be open to it, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned Bible study. Are you a man of faith as well? Absolutely. No, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. How has your faith helped you with wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> It is definitely <laughs> a life of debauchery or it can be just going from city to city and city, uh, being a rock star. Cause that's what you do. I mean, you're going to different yeah. countries and you're, you're being the star of the show or at least a star of the show in different, a different segment and whatnot. So it's pretty humbling to make sure that you realize like how you got there, that prayers are yeah. being answered for you to even have that opportunity and be healthy enough 
to continue to even have that opportunity and, and exercise it. But I know that it wasn't on my own by no, I mean, I was homeless for crying out loud. I lived in a car, you know, when I first oh, moved did, out yeah. to California. Well, yeah, yeah. Granted, it was for a brief stint, but it's just like, I'm not above anything, you know, and I know that mm-hmm. everything's been through the grace of God that's actually been given to me for sure. That's great. Um, I have to appreciate that and thank him. And, and, and just remember, like, the things that you pray for are probably the things that you have today, but now it's just don't make it a wish list, you know. It's so true. I'm a man of faith as well, so I completely empathize with you. So it's a, I know without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, and, you, and your kids and the, and the whole nine, you know. Yeah, it is amazing. So, what's next for Mister Pictacular? Well, we got a few irons in the fire. Unfortunately, with the NDAs, you can't just you can't disclose anything. <laughs> but I definitely have to stay in shape. Uh, I definitely have to keep doing what I'm doing. You know. When it comes to OVW, obviously I got to get my OVW National Heavyweight Championship back. So that will be, I think in the next couple of weeks, I'll be, or well, with at least within the next two months, I'll have a, another rematch that I can can face the fella that has it. But then just being the face that runs the place over there, that's for sure. This guy right here. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's what I'm doing. Making sure that uh, I keep everybody else happy when it comes to the other connections and stuff and just trying to keep my name out there, continue to promote myself and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not opposed to anything. And like, it's just building blocks of everything. Everything builds off of everything else. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of independent promotions that I'm going to be doing wrestling shows for throughout this entire summer. The summer is going to be super packed with wrestling and stuff. So staying healthy is, is key. Staying healthy is going to be important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So with all of you accomplished, what legacy do you want to leave behind? <sighs> Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. That is the million dollar, $10 million question. Cause I, I don't know if it was Grant Cordome that said, you know, you die twice when you actually leave this earth. And then when the last person says your name, yeah, he said it, Yep. that resonated with me just recently because that is a legacy. Very true. So I want to be the man that I think I am to my kids. Mm. to be honest with you and that's what means the most to me and hopefully hopefully they see how hard i work in every facet of life you know not just with them and that's the true heartfelt answer for sure right there i always say it's defining that dash that dash between your birth date and your death date how are you going to define that dash that's your legacy yeah so where can people find you on social media everything at M-R-P-E-C underscore T-A-C-U-L-A-R. So mm-hmm. Mr. Pectacular and Mr. Pectacular.com. So. Uh, well, Jesse, it was an honor to have you on the show and thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks, Jay. Boom. Boom. Yeah. There they are. <laughs> I want to give a big thank you to Jesse for joining us on the show today for Mental Health Awareness Month. Make sure you're subscribed to Stories of Strength. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jay Cardiello, and this has been Stories of Strength, personal and inspirational tales of redefined strength, presented by MuscleTech.